Hello and welcome to UX Like Us, the podcast for user experience designers, researchers, strategists, and nerds. <laughs> I'm your user experience nerd, Roman Burkott. <laughs> Joining me as always is Larry King. Larry, how are you? I'm doing super duper fabuloso. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that makes you the user experience nerd. <laughs> I just I just love to get you to say things that you are. <laughs> I've had all of these things on a resume at some point. <laughs> well, hey, before we jump into today's topic, uh, I wanted to mention, uh, first of all, uh, if you haven't caught last week's episode, make sure you listen to that one. Um, we had Kevin M. Hoffman, the author of the book Meeting Design, had a great time talking to Kevin. It was a great episode, so make sure you listen to that. And then also some other exciting news. Um, this podcast is already on Spotify. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been on Spotify all along. You know, Spotify, that's where that's where you go for podcasts. Spotify, the, the, the same people that transformed the music industry into a streaming service? That's Spotify? <laughs> the same. <laughs> wow. How do we get on that? We must be important. Yeah, we're good. We're we saw the trend coming. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we we published the the podcast on Anchor FM, and uh, Anchor handles distribution to all the um, all the main places you might want to listen to podcasts. So it's made it incredibly easy, and that's exciting uh, news. That's awesome! Yay! I mean, we're not on Gimlet yet. <laughs> that's the that's the growth mindset. Uh, Roman, you're, right. you're 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 familiar with the growth mindset, right? It's like you can't do something; it's you can't do something yet. So make sure you uh, check us out on Spotify or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. And speaking of acquisitions, there was uh, another pretty big acquisition uh, this this past week. Did you hear about this? Uh, Amazon and uh, Eero. Yeah, this one was so big that uh, my phone woke me up. I, I thought we might have had an earthquake. Yeah, so from the Amazon Press Center. So Amazon and Eero today announced that they have entered into a definitive merger agreement under which Amazon will acquire Eero. Eero's home mesh Wi-Fi system set up in minutes and blanket every room of a customer's home in high-performing, reliable Wi-Fi. Eero is already delighting Amazon customers with its products and services, as indicated by its Eero's dot. 4.6 star product rating on amazon.com. Why is Amazon buying Eero is I guess the question on everybody's mind. But first of all, you kind of have to understand what, what is Eero, you know, for those who don't know what Eero is. So Eero is a Wi-Fi network for your home, but it's different than that crappy um, Wi-Fi thing that your cable company provided to you that only works when you're, sort of in the same room and kind of close to it and don't have like a bunch of walls and a bunch of floors in between it. Right. Because those things are just been terrible. Um, but what Eero does is it creates what's called a mesh network where it has like this back channel communication. It does between multiple nodes in the system. And then it automatically seamlessly uh, transfers your Wi-Fi device from one of those nodes to the other without you even know it's knowing what's going on. And, you know, you still have the same Wi-Fi SSID and, um, and all that, but you're just 
seamlessly going from one node to another, and it spreads beautiful Wi-Fi over your entire house without no drop-offs. In fact, ever since I installed my Eero, I've never had a problem with the Wi-Fi ever since. And, you know, I've always had Wi-Fi problems with the, you know, even with the 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 Apple, um, yeah, the Airport Extreme, that's what it's called. So Apple would sell the airport as um, as your Wi-Fi router that you would just plug into the modem from the cable company if you didn't have a Wi-Fi router, right? Correct. And then the uh, cable companies started just providing a combination Wi-Fi router and regular router. So people stopped buying third-party Wi-Fi equipment just because, you know, the... Whatever the cable company's given to me, they set it, come in, the cable guy comes in, sets it up, it works, I don't have to deal with it, blah, 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 right? And then they walk away and everything's all set up. It's like, oh, I got Wi-Fi when I'm standing right next to it in the same room as the Wi-Fi access point. Um, but if you have a house like I do and like it's got multiple levels and it's, you know, it's kind of big and it's got a bunch of walls, it's like that one access point in the corner that your coax internet happens to be coming in from, um, doesn't really get you coverage in the entire house. And that's the thing that um, the mesh network is trying to solve for. So at some point, the uh, the airport was able to be used as a, uh, as a Wi-Fi repeater as well, wasn't it? Uh, I think possibly, but the problem is those Wi-Fi repeater things never worked well. Um, I, uh, they're just, they just, the the mesh network technology works way better than that. The repeaters just never, it's hard to set them up and then they don't have really smooth handoffs and they've, I've, I've never been in a situation where the repeaters actually worked well, whereas the mesh network just is like magic and you don't even think about it. And it's actually the Eero app makes it really super easy to set up. It'll like you put in like the general layout and dimensions, number of floors of your house. And then it says, okay, go to the second floor and put it, put plug it in where you think it needs to go and then you plug it in and then you look at the app and it does a little testy thing and says oh yeah that's a really good place for it perfect or it says eh, maybe you need to get a closer or more line of sight to the to the base station or something like that so it's actually really easy to set up um and the experience of setting up is is, is pretty pretty awesome i i highly recommend it um that sounds amazing until now because you know now amazon owns it all right so uh great great experience with the product you've had it for how long oh geez i've had it for maybe a year and a half now two years possibly it's been it's been a yeah. while yeah so yeah just and chugging along uh handling your wi-fi no problems perfectly satisfied customer and then today amazon announces that they're buying eero and how does that hit you i'm a little worried about it um especially since this Nearly same thing just happened a few months back with my ring doorbell. Oh, because I have one of those too. And Amazon just bought ring a few months back as well. So now Amazon owns the camera on my front door. And every time somebody comes to my front door and now possibly every time somebody comes, uh, (laughs) any bits come into my home as well. So of course, they address this in the in in the 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 press release, right? So, you know, coming from the press release, Eero privacy policy currently states that the company collects data about users' Eero network to optimize performance, that it may share anonymized data, 
and that it may share personal data with third-party service providers. However, it also states we don't ever track the website you visit or collect the content of your network traffic, and we don't sell our customer data, and we don't sell ads based on this data. And then Amazon tells uh, Wired, because this is a quote from Wired Magazine, it has no plans to change Eero's policy at this time. (laughs) Okay, so you've got a very smart house. Yeah, so that's... So, yeah, let's talk about, you know... what, What... I'd like to, you know, like get into a little bit of the the stuff I have in my house. But what kind of smart stuff do you have rocking in your house these days, Roman? You know, I've got a remarkably uh, luddite house, despite having, I think, in the neighborhood of fifty different um, internet-enabled devices uh, on my network, which I would have never guessed, never guessed that in a million years. But uh, we use the uh, the Circle device um, to filter content for you know age-appropriate audiences for the kid. Um, that gives you a readout of everything that's attached to the network. And yeah, we've got a ton of different gizmos, iPads and phones and Xbox and yeah, just everything's on the network. The only, um, smart home thing I have is, uh, a Nest thermostat. And then I have, uh, I bought a, a Philips Hue, um, starter pack, um, when Amazon added the, uh, um, the wireless bridge to the, to the echo. So basically, um, I've got the echo, um, the Philips smart lights and the, uh, the nest thermostat. And so what I would have anticipated, like if, uh, if I had heard about this the day before my anticipated response from people would have been delight. And that's based on what happened to me. I, I bought that Nest, super early adopter. I bought it before Google owned them. And so when Google bought Nest, I was really excited because that was validation that um, there's a, a mass market appeal and Nest is not going to you know, go under in a couple of months. And then I've got an unsupported piece of hardware you know, wired into my freaking wall. So I was really happy when Google bought them. Um, and I think that was the first of like their, their real smart home plays was to, to buy Nest. And so at the time I was like, oh, that's great. And that's so cool. And it'll work with like Android stuff and it'll be compatible. Oh, wonderful. But now that you mention it, <laughs> um, yeah, they've, they've been expanding that footprint. Uh, and especially on the, on the Amazon side, right? I would have been a little leery once Google bought Nest just because, you know, what is Google's main thing that they need to run their business and its data, right? And so, I mean, this is uh, coming from a person who has a Gmail account, does all their email through it. So mm-hmm, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't have much to say there um, in my defense, but, you know, it's the the constant um, um jockeying for getting more data and more data and more data from, you know, companies like, you know, like a Google and, you know, Amazon is in that sort of same business too, which is, you know, a little worrisome. Um, So let's go down through my list of home automation things. Cause I've got quite a few things. So I've got the, uh, I've got the ring doorbell, like I mentioned before. Um, And I've got, I don't have the nest thermostat. Um, When I, 
like three years ago had to buy an entire heating and cooling system for my house, which is uh, a lot of fun and a lot of money. Um, there, the carrier system that I got had a thermostat that came with it and it's not smart, but it is enabled by, and I have an app that I can change things and it's fine. Yeah. That's good um, enough. It's, it's good enough. It, the funny thing is like the, the UI on the thermostat itself is the exact same UI that's on the phone, which is nuts. It's like, I don't even know how they did that. It's like they made it exactly the same, which is kind of cool. Even although it's a, it's, it's a clunky interface, right? So I got that. Um, and then I've got, uh, like you do, I've got the, some Hue light bulbs. That was like my first foray into trying to control light bulbs with, you know, home uh, automation stuff because I had an Alexa, right? You know, that's one of the things like, yeah, oh, I have yeah. an Alexa. Um, it would be cool to be able to say, Alexa, <laughs> turn on the lights. And so I was like, well, let's, so I bought the Hue stuff and they were the colored light bulbs. And now I can make my living room do you know, disco time or play spooky music, uh, Halloween and have the lights blinking along with it, which is the kids love. Um, I also have, uh, the Lutron Cassetta, um, switches, smart switches. Oh, so nice. if you got, you want to, yeah. you want to, uh, if you want to control and dim lights from a wall switch, you just switch this switch out with it. They're like 50 bucks a piece. They're a little expensive, but they're pretty sweet. And I've got yeah. a bunch of, uh, wall switches that are done like that i wish i had um, done switches instead of smart light bulbs yes um <laughs> well the interesting and we'll get to this is like you know even if you have mixed um things uh because of the way things are all set up through alexa and the home kit app possibly depending on how you've all set up you can control things from multiple vendors and it actually works pretty well but i but the problem the thing that bugs me about the the, the light bulbs is people still turn off the switches yep Yep. That's the killer right there. <laughs> and I had to like, so I was, I was able to finally get my family to stop turning off switches, but the cleaning people, nope, they sure. still turn the switches off. And then off you're yelling time. at Alexa, like, yeah. why is it, uh, turn the light on, what, what, why is this not happening? Uh, and so, you know, like I said, we have, you know, Alexa, but I also have a bunch of stuff hooked up to HomeKit too, and you know the Hue lights run on a Zigbee network, and then you got the Lutron Cassetta ones that have their own Wi-Fi thing, and then I've got these Wemo switches that are just a uh, uh, they plug into the wall, and it's just a smart switch that turns an outlet on and off. Um, so I've got a bunch of different things, and they're all hooked up to Alexa, and they're all hooked up to HomeKit. Um, so like HomeKit and Alexa are like sort of these bridges between a bunch of different protocols that allows you to, with a bit of work to actually make it happen, be able to control them all from one thing. So once you get it set up, it actually works really, really awesome. But it's like figuring out how do you get all these different protocols and different systems and stuff to all work together and get, um, get uh, you know, home either HomeKit or Alexa to, to recognize it is really is really the hard part. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that, that, um, Amazon and, uh, Amazon and Eero have in common is they both want to make setting up smart homes easier. And I think that's why this is such a good match for each other, because that's what Amazon's trying to do, you know, through their Alexa platform. And this is what, um, Eero stated, um, you know, end goals too. It was like, Hey, we've got a easy way to set up a mesh wireless that 
covers your whole home so that your internet of things things actually work they don't they're not sitting drop-offs and it's a really really easy experience so they've got you know the 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 the, the design chops to actually make something that's been a very complicated thing to set up in other companies and other you know uh you know wireless products something that's they they focused on the experience of setting it up and made it really really easy to do so and i think amazon looks at that and say hey we want a little bit of that too um so i think that is the reason why it sort of you know makes sense for amazon to 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 purchase Eero. yeah as i hear it um google's uh, smart home speaker wireless router thing. Um, I forget which generation they're on with that, but as, as I hear it, that has a really killer, elegant setup experience as well. You have an app and it just kind of walks you through the steps and you pretty much just kind of are a passenger as it handles things. So I can see where um, Amazon acquiring Euro is uh, a, a real great move for them to try to um, move into that same space. Yeah. It's a piece of the puzzle that, that, that they need. Um, obviously you can see uh, a future where you have Eero technology embedded inside of Alexa devices so that you don't have to have multiple devices. You can just have a, a single thing that work does not only, you know, mesh network, but also does the Alexa things. Um, but at the same time, I think there's another part of setting up the home automation experience that is really the thing that needs to be tackled now i think uh so it's and it's really comes down to setting up the device itself so i don't know if you've ever gone through this dance before you probably have since you have some of these devices but what you end up typically having to do is you 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 put the device in you get it on some sort of power and then you have to take your phone and that that device after you plug it in creates its own wi-fi network and then you have to go to your phone and you have to find that wi-fi network and then you get on its wi-fi network and then it's in some way it exchanges um information to um log into your real wi-fi network and then it finally gets on there and that whole that whole thing is 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 really problematic and it's not intuitive for people because people don't understand, you know, that this creating a local network and all this stuff. And you have to like really follow the directions really precisely. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And it's very hard to troubleshoot when it's not working. Like I had this problem where I, like on my phone, I use a Encrypt Me, which is a, a VPN service that automatically sets up a VPN for networks it doesn't recognize or i haven't explicitly said is okay and so every time i'm trying to set one of these things up it's like it's not working it's like why can't i connect to it why can't i connect to it it's like oh i got that stupid vpn system on and it's not and let me do it so there is like you know that experience of trying to get an internet of things device set up is not good and it's very problematic it's very prone to errors and hard to troubleshoot when it's not working. And um, one of the things I think is nice about, you know, the, 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 the home kit, the Apple's version of, you know, internet of things and, and, and getting all those devices to work in your smart home is it kind of bypasses all that because on home kit enabled things, they have a QR code that you can just scan and it passes all the right. stuff to it and just works. Right. Um, but anything that you have to do to hook up to Alexa, you got to go through the dance of setting up the turning it on, getting on the little local Wi-Fi network, passing things all around. So mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of room to improve that experience of getting all of your smart devices 
actually working how you want them to with as little setup as possible. And right now it's kind of a lot of setup to make it work. Yeah. That whole dance. Now, now that you mention it, I just remembered having to do that with my, uh, a Nova smart sous vide cooker. So yeah, I guess that's another smart device in the, in the kitchen, uh, so that I can trigger my sous vide cooking while still at the office and come home to perfectly sous vide steaks. I don't understand the need for the, the wireless part of that. I have an Inova cooker and I don't have the wireless one because sous vide cooking is the simplest thing in the world. You put it in the water and you set a temperature and you just let it go. And you're for, if you're within an hour of your cook time, you're fine. So I don't understand the need to be able to trigger this from afar. It's baffling to me. <laughs> So anyway, overall, I think it's a it's probably a smart move for Amazon to take this on. Hopefully that they can, you know, if they are able to make setting up a smart home more seamless, like, and I, I feel like the, the Eero team is a good team to bring on to do these type of things because they did a really good job with taking a hard problem of setting up a mesh network in, in, a, in a house and making it really easy for even normal people. I think it's a it's probably a, a, a good purchase for them. I'm just worried about my privacy, even though I have multiple Alexas in my house listening to me all the time. Why are you concerned about your privacy because of this acquisition? Uh, because... Amazon seems to be working. They're, they're, they're awfully cozy with the federal government. And I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, but they do have a bunch of facial recognition stuff that they've been selling to the, to, to, to the U S government. And I just, I don't know. There's just things about it. And I, I, I guess squeamish about Google too, right? Cause they just know everything about you and that data can be used in ways that I not authorizing. And I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm worried about the, the ubiquity of a, a surveillance state that it's probably already here anyway, that I just, we're just, it's not well known about, but um, I don't know. I just get squeamish about all that stuff. A lot of people will be familiar with Amazon in terms of, uh, you know, the online retail business and maybe even the video streaming business. But I think a lot of people are less familiar with AWS. And so maybe talk a little bit about how that plays into the picture here. Yeah, I guess most people don't probably, you know, most normal people don't know that Amazon's actually their their most profitable business is their cloud computing business where they that's where they make all their money and support their um ridiculously low prices and f- cheap shipping <laughs> honestly <laughs> yeah. if you look at their 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 you know if you look at their financials that's where they 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 make all their profit and they make no profit in fact probably are taking they they've been running that business as try to as break even as possible so that they can take all their profits and continually invest in you know more delivery and more uh, uh, shipping centers and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, so there's this huge amount of class and they're like most companies, if you're starting a, an internet startup, you're probably using AWS as the, the, the cloud computing platform that you're developing on because it, they make it so easy to just spin up all the things that you need to, to, spin up a cloud service right and so there's all that data there um you know there's just uh there's just a lot of 
a lot of stuff going on there. And, um, I get, I just get, I just get a little nervous with all my data being everywhere and I don't have good visibility into what is actually being done with that. And now, and now they own the thing that takes all of the bits and bytes that go in and out of my house. Yeah. I think that's the thing is, um, Eero's existing privacy policy is pretty good talking about how, you know, they're, they're using metadata to optimize your performance, but they're not selling actual data uh, about you or your network or certainly not the actual information that is traversing your network. Yeah. They're ta- they're, they're, they're dealing in anonymized data, right? Right. And even the data that they are dealing in is not, anything that you would be generally uncomfortable about sharing, right? Like if people were right. saying like, Hey, how much data, you know, moved through your network last week? They've seemingly been concerned about my privacy and security, right? It's not, I didn't just buy the Eero mesh network. I also paid $10 a month for their Eero plus service, which has a bunch of uh, network based malware spyware blocking stuff so if they you know if they detect some stuff that is trying to call out um from your local network and they think it's malicious they will block it and they get i get a report of that every week um as a part of that ten dollars a month subscription you also get a subscription a family subscription to one password oh wow yeah that's great to the encrypt me service. So that's the VPN service and um, a subscription for three endpoints for Mauerbytes antivirus. So it seemingly they're like, you know, not only providing a Wi-Fi mesh network for myself, but they're also concerned about my security and getting all these other benefits with their partners. And I use all three of those things. I am a big one password user and I use it on multiple devices. I use the encrypt me service to, for VPN for my, for my mobile devices. And I have malware bytes on my son's new windows computer that he's using (laughs) for gaming. And Oh my God, within like a few weeks of having it, my, they were downloading stuff from uh, all these terrible Minecraft sites that have all these spammy, scammy ads that make you say oh download here but that's the ad download here that's not the thing that you're actually trying to download and then all of a sudden there's like this search bar at the top of his windows desktop i'm like it reminded me like the old days when you'd go to your grandparents house and they'd have like (laughs) 15 of these like these search bars in their browser Uh um because they kept downloading like weird crap and it's like oh man So anyway, so so I feel like Eero has been has got my back, right? You know, and now that Amazon buys them, it's like, uh, do they still have my back? I don't know. Maybe for now, but I, I'm I'm not confident that it'll stay that way. Amazon really flies below the radar a lot more than the other you know tech giants. Because like with Google, it's it's more obvious. It's easier to mentally connect the dots between this thing is talking to this thing. You know, my spreadsheets is talking to my Gmail and is talking to my web search history and is tied to my location history. And, and to their credit, they've even made an effort of trying to be more transparent about that. So, you know, good, good for them. I think Amazon with their cloud computing platform is... Uh, capable of doing really amazing 
machine learning and artificial intelligence stuff that I don't think most people really would even associate to Amazon. Cause again, you, you know, you've got that kind of headspace of, Oh yeah. Online retail, um, you know, buying books, buying stuff. Right. And so their, uh, but their ability to do things like facial recognition and, you know, um, machine learning algorithms that could take just the, the network activity and tie it to other services that are that are running in their environment. The potential is really impressive and horrifying. But on the upside, man, they have a real chance to like make making a smart home really, really easy. And I think that is where they feel this is going with this. I think they can win like the same thing they did with shopping. They made shopping super easy and super convenient and, and fast. And if they can do the same thing with home automation and home products and home automation products, that could be huge for them. I mean, that could be, that could be a industry changing thing for them. Right. Cause right yeah. now, you know, you got, you've got your, your, your hue lights and you've got your Lutron cassettas and you've got your Wemos made by Belkin and you've got, you know, you've got all these little niche players doing all their little niche things. And if you could come in with a sort of end to end top to bottom solution that can, because it's a top to bottom end to end solution can actually address all those setup problems that having all these individual uh, players um, creates, then you could really make a huge, you can take home automation from the niche, you know, nerd network that it, that it is a part <laughs> that, you know, yeah. gets into now to actual mainstream. And I think that is where I think this could be huge. Yeah. I, I think a really strong play for Amazon here would be to essentially make Alexa be the interface for the internet of things. So anything that you buy that doesn't have a screen on it that can connect to the network, just allow me to talk to Alexa to, to handle that device. It would just, it would be amazing. Yep. And if they own the the whole stack, that, that would be, you know, uh, certainly a doable thing for them. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot better too than the, the current trend, which is to jam a screen onto every device. Yeah, that doesn't really work on these devices at all. <laughs> Why didn't Apple buy Eero? Ah, that's a very good question. So Apple seems to be wanting to get into the Internet of Things, Internet of Things space, but they've only got into it from one side of things. They've only got it into the, you know, the sort of Alexa side of things where, you know, you can yell into your watch or your 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 phone or if you're an idiot like me and actually bought a home pod into your home pod <laughs> <laughs> and you can you know and so they've they've done that side of it and you know worked hard to have home kit you know and work with partners and and actually make an attempt to to have a high level of privacy and security in the stuff but they've done it all through partners as you know arguably alexa has done up to this point or amazon's done up to this point as well um but Apple used to have a Wi-Fi hardware business and uh-huh. then they let didn't update it for five years and then said, oh, we're not selling those things anymore. Um, 
instead of making their own mesh network thing or building mesh network things into their internet of things things like the home pod or the apple tv but they didn't do any of those things um and they didn't buy eero so that it's curious to me that is since you know obviously apple is like was has been riding high on iphone sales for a very Uh very long time and those have now peaked out right um so they're not really going to get a lot more growth out of hardware sales of iPhones. So they've been, you know, beating the drum of services, services, services. And, uh-huh. you know, they've got had a couple other minor, you know, hardware hits with their wearable things like their, their the watch and the, and, and the, the AirPods. So it seems to me that maybe that would have been a good purchase for Apple too to buy Eero and start to build out more smart Internet of Things things as well. I think their guiding principle is that they're only into hardware as it relates to allowing you to consume um, media and services. Really, you could make the argument that Eero qualifies in terms of, you know, it's a, it's an enabling technology to allow you to consume the, uh, the content that they want you to consume and the services that they're wanting to provide to you. But maybe that's just uh, maybe that's just a little too abstract for that kind of guiding principle. The other the other option though is maybe Apple has just fallen into that syndrome of oh we tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, it's possible. I think the my from my point of view, I just want somebody who actually does care about privacy and security um, to. Ha- you know, buy things like that, like my, my <laughs> hero, right? Because, you know, I, it, it would be nice if I like had, could, you know, have an end to end, you know, network at my home that I knew was owned by a company that actually gave a crap about my privacy. Um, and I feel like I, we have less of that now, like with, like, mm, I yeah. kind of had a good feeling about it with Eero before, because, you know, they seem to have, you know, all the right things in all the right places, the right wording in their agreements and, uh, you know, just the right point of view on privacy and security and Amazon. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, I feel less, I just feel less, um, uh, comfortable, um, with them as opposed to like somebody who's like Apple, who that is their main mantra is like, we care about privacy and, and think, and I don't think it's just lip service to it. I really do think that they think that privacy is a, is a basic human right. I see what you're saying now that, um, Apple has really staked a claim around privacy and therefore having them providing the the home networking would be a really good, uh, addition to their stable from the consumer's perspective, because they're, dedicated to doing that and doing it well yep well i i agree with your with your take on that the um the article uh and we'll link to it in the show notes but uh i was reading coverage from the verge and their story was why amazon buying Eero feels so disappointing and I saw a few instances of that uh, on Twitter. I, it's weird how now these exits to the you know mega corps 
uh, now feels like giving up rather than a victory. I was like, yeah, that's that's the read right there, you know. And it just you you, you want to think that there's room in this world for more than you know four or five giant companies to, to own everything. Yep, that's what's happening. Yeah. Welcome to the 21st century, everybody. Yeah. Well, I just thought of uh, one other thing that um, I'm going to have on my home network, another smart device. Uh, We had bought a Samsung refrigerator about a year ago and uh, have been driven crazy by a persistent noise that it makes. And so Samsung has done a very good job with uh, honoring the warranty. And so we went to Lowe's to order a replacement refrigerator. And um, the new refrigerator has a giant freaking screen in it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I want my refrigerator to be dumb (laughs) and and quiet. I want it to be quiet, too. Yeah, exactly. I want a quiet refrigerator. I want it to be dumb. Uh, yeah, I, I've been saying that for quite some years now and like this whole putting a screen in a refrigerator is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen. But then when we got there, they appear to have thought through some pretty compelling use cases. So for instance, every time you close the door, uh, it takes a picture of the inside of the refrigerator that now is available, uh, via your app, wherever you are. So if you want to know do we have onions you can just look in the app and you'll see what's in the refrigerator it can mirror uh on on the refrigerator what you're watching on your tv so for the purposes of you know i mean it's pretty good use case to think of like hey i'm gonna go get a snack out of the refrigerator i don't want to miss you know any of the action on the the sports ball game um you know not something not a primary thing that you're looking to accommodate in a refrigerator but now that it's got the the screen in it, it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities. Yeah, I, I'll i let my refrigerator be smart once it can just automatically reorder the food that I need and it just shows up. That, that would be a killer use case, but I still have to look in the fridge to, to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the other thing now i haven't heard good things about bixby but supposedly bixby is going to be able to look at what's in the fridge and then use ai to suggest a recipe for what we should cook based on what's in the refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing it's a casserole every time <laughs> right right every time <laughs> I know what you're making. Diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) It's salad for the vegetables and casserole for everything else. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to follow up with how that works out. We're supposed to get it, I think next week. And, um, you know, the funny thing about it is like the use cases are super compelling. Like when you hear them like, oh, that's really cool. It can it can recommend something. But I just I know that that is not technology that is ready for prime time yet. There's no way Bixby's going to be just so badass at AI that he can tell me what to eat. Yeah, no way. 
Next week, Nelson Yu joins us. Nelson is the Director of Strategy and Business Development at Experian, and he's a design-thinking, woke product manager. That's how I describe him. Oh, wow. Is that like a new, is that like a new uh, UX role title that we have to now hire for? Right. The UX Like Us is a, a podcast for the UX woke. <laughs> now stay woke! <laughs> we'll be talking to Nelson to get a, a product perspective in response to our episode about the overlap uh, between product management and design. Oh, God, he's going to take me to task, isn't he? I don't know. You you just, you never know. <laughs> All those bad things I said about product managers. He's gonna, <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm scared. If I know Nelson, he'll probably own up and identify with most of the things that were said. All right. Well, I can't wait to to talk to Nelson about all that stuff. I I, I think it'd be it'd be an interesting conversation to have with a somebody who actually is in the product manager role. Absolutely. So make sure you listen to episode seven, the overlap, and then join us next week to listen to uh, talk to Nelson Yu. Stuff designers love. Uh, so this week, um, I would like to talk about uh, a present that my son received for Christmas. Um, it was a present that my wife kind of said, oh, do you think Miles, Miles would like this? And I'm like, sure, yeah. And not, you know, not knowing a bunch about it. And, you know, she ended up buying it. And it ended up being a delightful experience. And what I'm talking about here is the Bose Build Speaker Cube. So it's by the Bose Corporation. You might know from their speakers and their headphones. Um, but basically what it is, is a, you, it's a, it's a kit you put together. It's a Bluetooth speaker. It's like a little cube with a little plastic enclosure and it's got this little Bose speaker in it. But before you build the little Bose speaker, it teaches you about speakers and sound and how sound works. And so the back of the speaker cube has this like, it's like, you know, where all the electronics are and uh -huh. it's got like a little blue thing, tooth thing that hooks up to your phone. And there's a, a an, an iPhone app that goes along with it. And you go through all these little exercises. And in addition to having the, the really nice, you know, Bose speaker that you actually end up putting into the cube, it has this little speaker coil and speaker magnet thing that put that you put together. That isn't that isn't part of the, the final product, but what it does do, it plugs into like the little electronics in the back of the speaker and via the app, you do little sound experiments. Like, so for instance, you'll put the, the coil over the magnet and then in the app, you can like um, start it up and it'll make it jump off to talk about, you know, how it's, you know, the, the, you got the magnet and then the copper wire isn't a magnet until electricity goes through it. And then um, it'll go through another part where it like shows you how it'll, it'll, uh, the, the coil will rattle back and forth, um, based upon, uh, you know, a sine wave or, oh. a, uh, it'll talk to you about sine waves and sawtooth waves and triangle waves and things like that. And what the different waves look like and how they vibrate differently. And then it takes you to this another part where you can take that coil and magnet and put it on the box, tape it to the box that it came in and it turns the box into a speaker. And so now you can hear, you know, it's got like a little, you know, some pre-canned um, uh, music on it, or you can play music from your, your, your music library and it'll turn the whole big speaker into like, 
you know, a vibrating box talking to you about like, you know, it'll even, you know, play stuff before you put it on the box, but you know, it's not very loud. And then it shows you like, Hey, when you put it on uh, a bigger surface that moves more air, that makes it louder. And so it just, it's, it was a really cool experience to go through all the little, all the little, um, all the little steps and all the little lessons about what sound waves are and what magnetic is, you know, what magnetism is and how the coil creates a magnet and how vibrations work and how that turns into sound and how that, you know, how that actually makes the speaker work. And it was just a fun, interactive thing for you to do with your kid to learn. And also at the end, you have this actually pretty nice sounding uh, Bluetooth Bose speaker that he can now listen to music to in his room. That sounds fantastic. I, I like that that is a, a fairly basic set of components, but the design of the experience made it into something kind of special. Yeah, absolutely. It was the the, the experience of just the interaction between the app and you know the the speaker cube itself was just really it was just really really well done. You could tell there was they put they put a lot of thought into it. It wasn't just like a you know a half job. They really put a lot of effort into it to make the, the experience of going through it really, really cool and, and educational and fun at the same time. And I, I thought it was really, really awesome. I, 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 I enjoyed, you know, having an activity with my, you know, with my son to be able to go through, have fun and also learn about things that I feel important are important. Cause you know, I'm, you know, being a musician and uh, have, you know, a history of, you know, being into audio and how audio works and the electronic side of it and, and all that. Um, just being able to share that with my son was like a really cool experience. And I, I liked it a lot. Very cool. So yeah, that's the Bose build speaker cube set. And they also have a, a pair of headphones. I think it's called the Bose build uh, headphone set where you can build a set of headphones as well. So it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. I wish you hadn't said that. You know, I'm a, a headphone addict. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that. You're definitely. I see one of those in your future for sure. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify. If you don't have a preferred podcast app, we recommend Overcast, available on the iTunes App Store, or learn more at Overcast.fm. And as always, you can connect with us on Twitter. Tweet Larry, um, that's me, at LA King, or Roman, that's at Stuperman. And the show is at UX Like Us. For the first, let's say, 20 listeners that uh, follow us on Twitter, we'll send them a free sticker. All right, that sounds like a good time. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great idea. So the next 20 people starting today who follow us on Twitter, we will send you a sticker. All you have to do is DM, DM us on at UX like us, and we will get your information and we will send you a free UX like us sticker. Thank you for listening again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Alexa, send my dick pics. <laughs>